and welcome to Our Three Cents, a podcast all about video games. And welcome, doobly's come in, to part three of our Spooktober special, a series of five mini-episodes where us three gents are tackling some famously scary games, all in the honour of Halloween and Fresh Pants. My name is Jonathan Dunn, and I am joined by man with a spooked tutor, Chris Dow. <laughs> a ghastly Chris Dow. And our very own Shaman of the Shadows, Minty Booth. Ooh, here he is. Very much dwelling in the shadows this week. Minty Booth is recording his part in isolation. And this week saw us tackle the ever-shitting nightmare that is Amnesia, the Dark Descent. So, what is Amnesia, the Dark Descent? I forget. <laughs> Seriously, I can't forget. <laughs> Amnesia is a first-person survival horror adventure game created by Frictional Games, who had already created the episodic survival horror games Penumbra, and the Amnesia series has very much been seen as the spiritual successor to that series, with it retaining a lot of similar elements. So Amnesia has you play as a man called Daniel, who must find his way through Brennenburg Castle in 1839, and he awakens one day in the dark and empty halls of this Prussian mansion with no memory about himself or his past. All he knows is someone or something is hunting him, and you battle with your own sanity and struggle to evade this haunting shadow as you try to piece together evidence from around the castle as to who you are, why you're there, and how to escape this nightmare. One of the key things in the game is that you have no way of fighting what is after you. You must simply hide or run. And reviews have called it the most successfully frightening game to have been made. And Kotaku even ranked it as the best horror game of all time. So, how about you kick things off for us? Chris, how did you get on? Uh, <laughs> this this game like i didn't enjoy slender man obviously when we played slender the arrival a few weeks back but i was more eager to start that one like it was like i, I knew roughly what i knew roughly what i was getting into um yeah. so like installing it getting it up and running i i kind of i could steal myself enough to think right i'm going in here we go and amnesia i put off for the entire week up, up until the last day I could have played this yesterday. And um, what helped push you over the edge to, to actually confront your fears and tackle this game, Chris? Well, I, I, I believe that I had floated the idea that I might not be able to play it at all. And uh, a, a certain host by the name of, of Jonathan Dunn uh, mentioned that I would receive a present in the post if I could reach a certain <laughs> checkpoint of the game. <laughs> Which I managed, which I managed. So we'll we'll see how that plays out in the next I'm, week. I'm very, very pleased that you did, because I really wanted to discuss that bit of the game yeah. uh, in particular. And yes, will he receive a trick or a treat in the post? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I, I remember I remember with uh, Amnesia when it first came out, there were a lot of stories doing the rounds. And it was one of those indie games that for some reason got a lot of media coverage. And, and it's been sat in my Steam library, I think, since it was in like an early Humble Bundle. So this is probably like seven, eight years yeah. ago. And I, I genuinely didn't believe I'd ever boot it up at all. <laughs> like ha- having read what I did at the time, having read a few reviews, but obviously I was I was pushed to, as as we say. But I am I am glad that I gave it a go because I think it's absolutely a game that I can respect, even if it's not a game that I think I will ever really enjoy. <laughs> yeah, I, I think what's really interesting to to play this game now is when it came out. This was the the games industry acknowledging that AAA survival horror just wasn't sustainable anymore. 
you had franchises like Resident Evil and Silent Hill that were both floundering under sort of quite misguided direction. Both went kind of more action heavy as opposed to, to what the series started as. But it was like the, the indie games at the time that had these smaller teams approaching horror in a, in a different way. And, and what makes Amnesia so successfully scary, I think, is that it's not horrible because of its grim setting or that it's perpetually dark or that it has oppressive soundscapes or that it has horrid monsters or that it's got sanity effects that mess with your viewport or that it's got deliberately confusing hallways and architecture or that it's got really stingy resource management. But it's horrible because of, of how relentless that all is. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean... Again, making making reference to Slender a few weeks ago, the first episode of that game is is quite calm. Like there's a few sort of telegraphed jump scares, but generally it's it's quite calm. And then episode two, the the kind of eight pages homage, is just all go. And as much as I hated it, when I was playing that, I was in such a heightened state of of just fear that it almost became manageable again. <laughs> Because it yeah. was just pick up a thing, run, pick up a thing, run, pick up a thing, run, and that was it. And the whole thing felt quite brisk. Whereas Amnesia is very different because it's it's far less prescriptive. It's it's far less kind of compartmentalised into episodes like that. And it, it doesn't have the same on-off sort of switch that, that just says there is threat and there is not threat. Yeah. Instead, it's just, it's just got this pervasive atmosphere that means that I picked up an object that shattered in my hands and, and shit myself. <laughs> I, I, heard a, I heard a sudden noise in the distance, shit myself. Heard a whisper, gone. Got injured because of those kind of like uh, the red weed sort of stuff across yeah, yeah, the environment yeah. that if you stand in it too long, you take damage. And I, I didn't realise I'd walked onto it because it was too dark and that made me shriek. <laughs> like it was, it was truly unpleasant from start to finish. Mm. I played the first hour or so using an Xbox One controller, like with the, the laptop attached to the, the TV screen so Georgia could see what I was doing. Yeah. And I was playing on, I've got like an elite pad that has those back paddles as well that kind of oh, right, mirror the okay. face buttons if you want them to. And all that meant is that every time I jumped, which was frequent, <laughs> I would hit the back paddles and then just load the inventory every time. <laughs> so so <laughs> Georgia became very aware of when I was particularly scared because I spent a lot of time just <laughs> looking through my inventory, which is, um, yeah, a bit tough. I mean, I played the second hour I played on the on the laptop itself with mouse and keyboard. Yeah. That was much easier to control, a much smoother experience, but more scary because I didn't have someone kind of sat next to me to to steal me through it. <laughs> Obviously, because I'm a, a grown adult, I, I'm not afraid of the dark in real life. Like I, I can handle turning the light off when I go to bed. But not anymore. <laughs> yeah, in, in this game, the dark is is so scary yeah. that I was constantly running out of lamp oil and I was running out of tinder boxes that you use to, to light little uh, gas lamps or candlesticks or whatever because the thought of being stuck in the dark filled me with just dread. Mm. And... I think what the game does really successfully in a, in a roundabout kind of way is makes the biggest threat and the scariest monster become your own limitations, both as a character, as like Daniel, the character who cannot fight back and is scared of everything, but also because then I felt exactly the same way. Yeah. So, so his kind of fears became my own the more I played. And that kind of like his fear of the dark and the inability to look directly at monsters in, in the game um, because it would ruin your, your sanity meter they all fed into my own shortcomings at that point. Mm. I, I think Amnesia and, and likely its sequel as well, The um, is it called A Machine for Pigs? Yes, yeah. And by the time people are listening to this, the third one will have come out as well, which is coming out oh, God. next week as, uh, as, as, <laughs> as, of, as, of, as of recording this. Yeah, I mean, it's a very good game. And, mm. and I can tell it's a very good game. And 
like the puzzles I did come across had had satisfying solutions and the world building was really good and the whole thing felt really well written and well delivered. But I'm not too proud to state that there is basically no way I will finish this <laughs> at any stage in my life. Yeah. And like Bioshock, as we said last week, was not that scary because you're always equipped to deal with threat, yeah. especially playing on like an easier difficulty. Whereas Amnesia is just terrifying because you you can shut a door behind you or you can run away and hide in the dark. And, and that's it. That's all you have to do to, to kind of stave off of monsters. And I think it's it's a really brave design choice because I don't know of anyone that was really doing that at the time. Like it's become really almost passe in other kind of indie horror games now that it's like, oh, you're just, it's a walking simulator, but it's a scary one. Yeah. But this, I think, was very new and very bold for the time. What it does most incredibly is is because you are so ill-equipped, eventually you start getting scared of things that are not there. Yeah. And in the first two hours, at least, there's really not that many enemy encounters at all. But it felt like every single corner I walked into might have something in it. Yeah. I think it's a really, really great horror game and, and, a, and a good adventure game. But mm. like I say, those two hours are probably going to be <laughs> as much as I can possibly muster. Yeah, I mean, I, I know exactly what you mean. I managed to get a bit further, but I too have sort of reached a point where I was like, no, I no, this is this is it. And to be fair, <laughs> I, I reached that point a few times and then managed to push push through just a little bit more. I mean, my first impression, I booted it up last weekend like in the middle of a lovely sunny Saturday and thought there is no way in cocking hell that I'm going to play this when it's dark. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I stuck to that. I, I, I would not have coped w- with that playing at night time before sort of turning all the lights off and having to wander through my dark house to bed. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> but like, I, I didn't realise how Lovecraftian it was going to be, which uh, yeah. I mean, and, and it's, That's it's your bag, uh, isn't it? It's my bag. I love a bit of Lovecraft. <laughs> like, I mean, famously. And I mean, yeah, this game is unashamedly HP Lovecraft inspired, as were apparently the Penumbra games as well. Like, in fact, the en- the engine that Frictional made for all their games is called the HPL engine in homage of HP Lovecraft, <laughs> which is okay. quite cool. And I've spoken in the podcast before about my love of uh, Eternal Darkness, which there are certainly some overlaps in terms of uh, design choices, mainly in the fact that there are sanity effects and a sanity meter, which I think I mentioned when talking about Eternal Darkness had become a bit of a thing in sort of, you know, psychological horror games. And and, and this has it, you know, it's got a meter that sort of uh, calculates your sanity and the game generates all kinds of horrendous things to indicate sort of how, how poor your character's grip on reality is. But whereas like Eternal Darkness's sanity effects were to, to a certain degree quite playful, bit gimmicky and, and you know, fun. Amnesia, it, it genuinely feels like you're losing your mind. It's, it's a simulation <laughs> of paranoid mania. Like yeah. it makes Eternal Darkness look like Scooby-Doo. <laughs> <laughs> and like you said, oh. it, it's relentless. Like staying in that atmosphere for a prolonged period of time not only damages your sanity, but you just your nerves just can't can't take it for too long. Once I realized that actually being losing your sanity didn't equate to taking any damage because I thought it did at first or I thought it would spawn the monsters quicker. It doesn't. It's it's purely there just to unnerve you, 
once I realised that, I became a bit more laissez-faire with my use of uh, candles and light and, and didn't mind. So, you know, I, I whip out uh, my lantern uh, for a little bit if I started feeling it a bit a bit quivery. But I, <laughs> but I wouldn't bother about lighting, unless I was spending quite a long time in the room, like doing a puzzle or something, I wouldn't bother lighting lamps or, or candles. And I think... When I when I decided to call it a day, I had about forty tinder boxes in my inventory um, still. So I was, you know, just in case. And it's it's interesting that you you mentioned that sort of relentless nature, but there is actually a point just beyond the point you got to, where it felt like a safe zone. Oh, okay. Um, and some some slightly more sort of uh, relaxing music sort of came in, similar to you know when you get into a safe zone in Resident Evil. Yeah. And there's a typewriter yeah. and that serene music sort of comes in. It was like that. And I was like, oh, thank God. And it, and that was, it, I think it was a really good choice because they know what's fun and what's not fun, provided you, you're buying into, you know, tackling a game like this. And it's not just like a relentless horror, 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 make this person get as unhappy as possible, not caring about the, the player experience. But the fact that it, it does get that balance right between monster encounters, puzzles and exploration and just sort of the slowly unraveling lore that's in the game shows that you know very good discipline because they could have easily made it just this relentless scare factor ride but it wouldn't have been i wouldn't have pushed through if i didn't get glimpses of respite from that because yeah. i think what's the point <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know and, and i love the puzzles like i think that they're really really good i mean it's very it's classic gameplay it, it reminded me quite a bit of mist <laughs> yeah uh, just in terms of wandering around searching rooms finding odd things examining them it's, it's very you know similar to like what resident evil set up in terms of the survival horror setup and i think at, at their heart both resident evil and amnesia are puzzle games yeah uh, because yeah. A, a horror game isn't really a genre in terms of a genre of game style that's a it's a genre that you dress it up in in the way that you would have a fantasy game or a sci-fi game it's a horror game yeah uh, but it's core cool. it's a it's a puzzle game and yeah it's really good like the puzzles were i mean simple enough but also made you think and also made you terrified to miss something because you might have to then go back. <laughs> you know, that's a very powerful feeling. That The worst part for me on that was that the puzzle early on when you're looking for four different chemicals to mix yeah. to kind of like produce an acid, I, I hadn't realised what I was even doing because I hadn't found that area of the, of the lab. Uh, I was I was picking up objects and just thinking willy-nilly, all right, maybe I'll use it later. Yeah. And then when I did realise and found that area, I had three of the four. Yeah. And and the sensation of thinking like, oh, I need to go back in the cellar to get the last one was horrible. Yeah, it really, really is. But because it, it, was, it was knowing you were being pushed back into an area that I thought I was out of and I didn't have to revisit. Yeah, it's it's clever. It is very, very clever like that. And and it's nice that it doesn't have doesn't have too much like backtracking or anything it is it is quite linear in terms of sort of moving from area to area to area but then within that area you know you, you sort of have to spend quite a bit of time in it and and, and that's where mm. i i got to a bit there's a point where you have to go back into like a load of cellars and find it's a similar sort of thing to um to putting together the acid but you're putting together an explosive sort of chemical concoction to clear some boulders but in order to do that, you need to find three parts of a drill so that you can tap into these barrels. There's about two or three monsters uh, down there, and it's just horrible. It is just <laughs> horrible. The fact, I mean, it's again, it's a brilliant mechanic. The fact that if you look at the enemies, they can sense you. 
So you just need to crouch and hide in a corner and look at a wall. And like, my God, a wall has never been so captivating uh, as when you're just crouched <laughs> in the corner in the dark with a monster possibly behind you. And you've just got to listen out for the, the proximity of their breathing or if like a door closes behind them as they leave the room or something. And you just feel so vulnerable and so helpless and you can't even satisfy your curiosity. So it's exercising restraint as well as just nerve. And yeah, it's it's very, very clever, but it is very horrible. And after I got through that section, I then got into an area and it was like, I got a little flash flashback saying, um, oh, yes, one of my other duties in the castle is prison warden. And uh, you'll see down here some of the most horrendous scum and villainy or whatever, blah, 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 blah. And you go down into the prisons and it's just a labyrinth of corridors, pitch black. And you can just hear weeping and chains rattling. And I was like, no, no, I can't, no. <laughs> nope, that's, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's if, me. If I'd, if I'd even seen that, that's, yeah. that's 100% the stopping point if it wasn't yeah. already. Well, I'm glad you got to the water section. Did you did you attempt it? Once you realised that you were there with an invisible enemy, was, <laughs> did you did you just go, no, no, I remember enemy zero on the Saturn. I'm not doing that again. Uh, basically. It was such an exciting section. Like, I really, really enjoyed it because it felt like, because I couldn't see it, it meant that it couldn't sense me looking at it. So I didn't have to hide. You yeah. just have to stay out of the water because that's how it sends you is your movement through water and there's convenient crates and blocks and bits of rubble and stuff that you can sort of jump across first person platforming is something that it can be awful absolutely awful um to rock <laughs> well yeah i haven't played it so i can't say and i think oh, it's, it's a bit bad. unfair of you to bring that up when minty isn't here to uh to give her a buckle so um expect some stern text messages when he hears this so i thought oh god that's just going to be this is going to be awful in this because one of the sanity effects in in the game sort of hampers your controls makes you feel a bit drunk and so the camera goes a bit woozy and stuff like that and i thought god if it does that while i'm trying to do some platforming i'm going to be absolutely in this drink and in this monster but it actually handled very very well and and it was great. It was so exciting knowing that you'd sort of, you've got a bit of distance and then you see the the next bit you've got to get to. You have to go through some water and you're just like, oh, for fuck's sake. And you just have to just jump in and get to the next bit of safety. But then you know that the monster's caught up with you again. And then you find like entrails and bits of body parts and stuff. And you get like can throw flesh into the water somewhere else as a decoy and it was just a very very tense very tense section because you can hear it chasing you you've got to run fast you haven't got time to look behind you there's a point where you, you just have to run through all these doors open the doors and slam them behind you so that it's got you know you've at least got the delay of them trying to break through the door and it was just yeah it was just a brilliant set piece very very tense very exciting it wasn't just like a Oh, so you thought that was bad? Huh, now they're invisible. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it had a purpose and that was good. And just on the other side of that, a bit of respite. And that was, uh, and I was like, okay, okay, I'm here again. And then prison equals new. <laughs> no, thank you. I think it's a very, very good game. I think it's a very well-made game. I can see myself revisiting it yeah. and trying to finish it because I did really like the lore and I really wanted to find out sort of what happened next. I think I, I had a little look on a FAQ just to see roughly how far through the game I got and I'm about halfway so I think maybe if I you know I steal myself I can do that I can get through that level of content again shall we go over to Minty and hear what he thinks 
Let's do it. Well, it sounds like we're all in agreement that this is not only a scary game, but a very well-made game as well, and one that wields elements of horror to further narrative and hold up a macabre mirror to the nastiest side of humanity. I feel like as this miniseries has progressed, we're getting to play better and better stuff. Like week one was a mere trifle of a game with little point or redemption outside being a, a lacklustre engine to make you jump. Uh, week two, we had frightening moments, but also one that gave you an ever-expanding arsenal to fight your way out of any particularly spooky encounters, uh, along with a good story and generating a want to progress in the game through being just fun to play. And now we have Amnesia, which is incredibly oppressive and relentlessly scary, but also good. I hope that trajectory continues. Um, I've been consistently spooked by it from uh, the moment I've switched it on. But I do also just want to carry on with it. There's no sort of, oh, I've got to, got, to, got to slog through this because we're talking about it on the podcast, like there was with uh, Slender. It's just good game, and I'm really enjoying playing it. Uh, I don't really have that much to add to what you two have already said. The sanity mechanic does indeed feel like a genuine psychological breakdown, and to have the more pervasive environmental attributes be the real antagonists of the game is just genius. A darkness that depletes your sanity, which then affects your movement and your vision, making it easier for monsters to spot you and harder for you to escape. It creates an electrifying spiral of dread and becomes just as much a puzzle as the little uh, potion mixing and bridge building set pieces themselves. Like, do I stand near a candle or hold up my lantern to help recover some lucidity, uh, but then become more visible to monsters? Or do I try and wait it out and risk slumping over into the line of sight of one of those horrible grunts? It's great, it's cohesive game design, it makes sense, and despite how bleak and desolate your surroundings and quests are, there's always a sense that you can progress and you can overcome. Oh, I wish I had a PC or something with a mouse to play it on, however, as trying to do decade-old first-person physics puzzles with boxes and rocks that sometimes just uh, fall through the floor, as well as hitboxes for door handles and little things you need to pick up being accurate to the point of finicky. That's the real horror. I'm not surprised that you did mention Turok, uh, Chris. Uh, it did feel like that, but just a little bit more... A little bit more irritating because it wasn't just oh jumping from pillar to pillar having to pick stuff up and place it and oh it's gone now or having to jump on top of a box that's floating in the water to avoid an invisible fish i don't know what that thing is but oh that little water section in the uh in the cellar I, it was more irritating than scary and i died lots not because um it was oppressive and it was it was making me scared and sort of dropping controller inputs, it was just because I fell off the box loads. Maybe it was designed that way to mimic how characters in horror films and stuff are always you know, juddering and trying to find the right key on a big ring as the monsters close in and then sort of getting through the door just in the nick of time. And, ooh, pressing there, back against the door that they've just closed. And then of course the monster's claw crashes through the door and starts to strangle them. Ah. Hmm. So there we have it. Those are our impressions of Amnesia, The Dark Descent, a, a fantastic horror game. 
an, an incredibly scary experience <laughs> and uh, an experience that I'll, I'll be glad if the games left in our Spooktober specials aren't quite as scary <laughs> as that. But they might be because the next game we're playing is Doom 3. I'll be interested to see if uh, Doom 3 manages to maintain the frights we've seen so far despite having loads of guns. I feel like there's a certain sense of uh, comfort and safety that can come from blowing the heads off your eldritch assailants. Can the game be as scary as Amnesia, while still giving you the tools you need to destroy the things that are causing that fear? We shall see, I suppose. Scary beasties, but but with guns. So Exactly. It will be slightly easier than Amnesia, I reckon. Exactly, at least we've got that going in. At least, when going up against the actual devil. <laughs> so do join us next Saturday when we tackle Mars and Hell. And you can reach out to us if you choose to do so on our various social media channels. We have a YouTube channel, search for our 3Cents. We are on Twitch at O3C Podcast. Also at O3C Podcast, we are on Instagram and an IGTV channel with loads of video content. We have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash our3cents. Chat to us on there. If you've played these games, let us know how you got on with them or let us know any other horror game experiences you have. We can reach out to us individually. I'm on Twitter at Jonathan Dunn. I am at Chaz underscore Hodges. And I'm Clement underscore Boo. And please do join us next time for either a normal episode on Monday or for a further Spooktober special episode next Saturday. God be with you. <laughs> Spaceships, magic swords, intergalactic empires, dead gods, and creatures from beyond the moon. What mad universe could contain all these fantastic visions? What mad universe is a bi-weekly podcast delving into the misty origins of sci-fi and fantasy, pop culture and genre tropes. Take a cosmic trip on What Mad Universe Podcast on the Greenlit Podcast Network.